Let's just pray. Father, just thank you for a wonderful time together this morning, just worshipping you. Thank you for blessing us with a sense of your presence. And Lord, I just ask as we turn to your word that we would open our hearts and we receive from you this morning. And Father, we would be blessed and we will be challenged in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's really good to see you. To be here this morning. Thank you. You don't have to say that, but thank you. It's good to have Lou and Val back from holiday, isn't it? Praise God. This place has been like a pig in a poke without you, Lou. Praise God. Okay. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 13, I want to share this morning a, a, a word that I'm calling building a strong spiritual house. I believe that God wants us to build here something of strength and permanence. You know, in a, in a, a biblical sense, a generation is 40 years, and this church actually is approaching that length of time in all the ups and downs it's been through. And I really believe there's a a contestation in the spiritual realm for whether this church continues another 40 years. Now, you know, Jesus may come back before then, but certainly I believe we're passing over into a new phase. And therefore, I really believe that God wants us to go forward into that. Taking all the wonderful things from the previous phase forward, but also jettison some stuff that needs jettisoning as well. So, we're going to talk about building a strong spiritual house this morning, and um, there you go. There's a strong spiritual house for you. So, Matthew 16, I'm going to put the verse, the scripture on the screen for you, and we can read it together. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, "Who who do they say I am? So, they said... Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And, it will, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. It's a powerful bit of scripture, this. So much in there. So, for example, the place where Peter had this revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the Deliverer, and the son of the living God, that very spot where they had it in Caesarea Philippi, uh, Caesarea Philippi is, is, is based around a particular kind of pagan worship where they would go up onto a hill country and there was this big cave that looked like the mouth of a demon and it was basically devil worship. And many, many commentators suggest that as they were walking past this, right at the, what they call the mouth of hell, Peter had this revelation that Jesus was the Christ. So even in the mouth of hell, even in the worst place possible, the Holy Spirit is working. And you can have revelation of God, you can have revelation of His deliverance, of His sonship, even in the midst of the most challenging times. And Peter had that revelation. And Jesus was so encouraged. You know that God can be encouraged by us? By our responses and our desire and our... You know, I know Peter made a lot of mistakes. But I, I think God kind of... He's like, okay, well, just get, pick yourself up and get on with it. You know, I don't think he's mistake-orientated. I think he's passion-orientated. I think he, he loved Peter so much in his passion and his desire. And Jesus was encouraged by what Peter said. And this revelation, he says, he doesn't say... Like some believe that on the rock of Peter he will build his church. But it's on the rock of the revelation. On the rock of the understanding and the perception that Jesus is the anointed one and Jesus is the son of God. On the perception and understanding 
the, the church is to be founded on the anointing of the Holy Spirit and on sonship and identity in the Father's love. That's how the church is supposed to be founded. And every apostle and prophet and pastor, teacher and evangelist, if they are, if they are, can I ask you, can you take your headphones off, please, can you, if, if you're in the meeting? Is that okay? Thank you. Um, if every pastor, evangelist, teacher, apostle and prophet, every one of them, if they're not laying the foundation of the anointing of the Holy Spirit at work in the church and through the church to the world, if they're not laying a foundation of sonship and identity in the Father's love, I don't believe they're laying a foundation that's going to last. And therefore, I'm so grateful across the church world, we're getting hold of this stuff more and more, because it's not just that you have an apostle that you'll have a good foundation, or you have a prophet that you'll have a good foundation. It's the revelation that causes a good foundation. Do you understand that? I I thank God for the revelation of apostles and prophets. We need them. But they've got to line up with the revelation of Christ being the Son of God and Christ coming to bring the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Not so a few superstars can do it all, but as you've heard this morning, each one of us can get out there and do great things for God. Amen? All right. And it says, And the gates of hell, or the gates of Hades, the gates of death, will not prevail against. If we build like this on this foundation, if we build people's identity strong in Christ, if they know that they're loved, if we allow them to receive more and more of the Holy Spirit and become empowered to live the life God has called them to live in His grace, then the gates of hell can't prevail against that sort of people. The gates of hell can't prevail against that sort of church. And that's the church I believe that God wants us to build. Amen? But what I want to pick up from this is this statement that Jesus said, and I've I've emboldened it in the print there. It says, I will build my church. That is the most misquoted, misappropriated line of Jesus' teaching I've ever come across. So, for example, in prayer you hear a lot. We don't have to build the church because Jesus said, I will build my church. So we don't have to build the church. Well, what does that actually mean? It sounds really good, and it maybe makes us feel like we don't have to do anything, so that's great. But, but actually, it actually doesn't make any sense, if you think about it. So there's another prayer that I've heard quite a lot over the years. We don't have to build the church, we just extend the kingdom, and God will build his church. Can I say there is no difference between the church and the kingdom? The church is the agent of the kingdom of God. Where you are, you are a called out one in the world. Wherever you go, you carry the kingdom of God. And when we gather together as the church, we're still the kingdom of God. Don't separate the kingdom and the church too much. I don't believe that's, 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 that's Jesus' understanding. I will build my church. He, and, and, and what was the first thing he did? I will build my church. And then he says, and you will bind and loose. You will be doing some stuff. So it's not, don't worry, Peter, don't worry, disciples. You just have a nice merry time. You know, go and watch X Factor, and we will build the church. No, I will build the church. I'll just do it all in my sovereignty. No, there's a partnership going on here. Amen? God wants a partnership to build together. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 and 2 says this. We then, as workers together with him, What does it say? Workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Powerful statement. We've received so much grace, haven't we? We continue to receive so much mercy and so much grace. We are never treated by God according to what we deserve. Isn't that amazing? And and this grace is not only to deliver us from sin and the grace is not just to stoop down and lift us up to the level of sonship, that grace is to empower us to build with God. And to be in partnership with Him going forward. That's what the grace is for. And it says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, this is the acceptable time. Behold, this is the day of salvation. Basically God's saying, my grace is available to you now to be a co-worker with me now. And many people I hear, they say things like, oh, I don't feel ready, I don't feel ready. You know what? We'll never feel ready. But God's just looking for willingness. 
He's just looking for willingness. Because there'll be grace available when you don't... If, you, if, if anybody comes to me and, and has the impression that they are the man of faith and power from the hour, have it all together, have the answer for everything, I have a little question over that. But if you come and say, well, I'm not sure I can do that, or I'm not sure I'm, I'm able to flow that way, hey, there's going to be grace for you, in it. Grace for you, in it. Amen? What's the point of building without God? If we can do it on our own, we're not going to achieve very much. Amen? So God wants us to be co-builders with Him. I remember a number of years back, probably six, seven years back when, well, maybe more actually, probably ten years back, God was starting to speak to me about building in ministry or building as a minister of God rather than just blessing. And we'd started a church in the Midlands and we'd gathered people and things were going well. Uh, and I'd, I was actually leaving a lot, the church a lot to go and minister elsewhere. And within about three or four years, I'd I've had a list off the countries I went to ministry. I went to Sri Lanka, I went to India, we went to Romania, I went to about three different African countries. We went to America, went all over the world ministry and different towns and cities I took a team with me into in this country. And it was a really exciting time of ministry and I was really blessed in it and I believe it's still part of the call that God has on my life. But I felt the Lord was speaking to me about a season of, of not just blessing with a little bit of building, but building and then a lot of blessing would follow. And I really believe it is hard to, to be planted in a, in a community and to build and build something of permanence. And sometimes even people in that community or outside that community, even Christians will work against that building. But God, I believe, has called us to build locally. And I really believe that God wants to build something amazing here locally on top of what's already happened in the past. I really believe that. And I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that. That's why I'm here. You know, it's easy in some respect, brothers and sisters, to find engagements all over the world to go and minister to. It's easy to do. You know, sometimes you necessarily don't. I mean, I got invited to Pakistan next year. I'm not sure. I, Lord, please, if you send me, you'll go. But I'm not sure I want to go otherwise. You know, but, so, so, but the, the thing is, you get these things coming up. But I want, I, want, I want this place. I want the people I see walking down the street looking like they've got no future. I want them to find life amongst us Amen. and amongst the churches in this town. I want them to find life. And that will take adjustment on their part. It's part of growing up. You know, we make a decision for Christ. We feel the Holy Spirit all the time. And then, you know, it's kind of, oh, we've got to now grow up a little bit. And that's fine, you know. We want people to grow up because we don't just want people to come to a decision for Christ. We want people to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. So that's what we're headed for. So we're co-workers together with him. I want to share with you from Nehemiah because Nehemiah is a really amazing example of somebody against all odds and a team of people, a whole people against all odds who rebuilt and built strong for God. And I want to just uh, share three little things from Nehemiah very quickly, and then I want to go on to something else before we finish. The first thing I want to share is this, that if we are going to build a strong spiritual house, we must be prepared to fight for it. It's interesting, Tom Collins is going to share tonight, and he just uh, communicated with me about what he was going to share uh, and uh, his message tonight is about fight the good fight of faith. And, and we hadn't talked about what we we're going to share. But I really believe that God wants us to stand and fight. Not accept everything that comes to us from God, even if it's a lot of rubbish, because some of it isn't from God. And actually to stand and fight for the word of God, what God has said to us, to stand for the promises. And you know, we can do it, not in our own power, but with his grace. Now, who are we fighting? Well, we're not fighting against each other, and we're not fighting against any human being. We're fighting against a situation where the enemy has gained ground on the church because the church hasn't been the church. So we have been here as the people of God to enforce and maintain the complete victory that Jesus won at Calvary. And for the last 2,000 years, we've not been brilliant at doing it sometimes. 
God wants us to stand and say, enough is enough. Before we leave this place, we're going to anoint everybody with oil and, and speak healing over them who's sick. We're going to do that. And we're going to continue to do it in prayer until we see breakthrough. Now, we've seen some great breakthroughs, um, and, but we're going to see more. Amen? So we're going to do that. Anybody who's symptoms of sickness or anything this morning, we're going to anoint you with oil before you go today. Amen? That's part of standing and fighting. We don't have to put up with this stuff. Amen? And we're going to stand together. And we're going to not only see healing amongst us, but healing out there. Next year, we've got plans to go and do something similar to what these guys have been doing. We're going to share a little bit more about that in future times. But we're going to to go out there and, and not go in fear, not go in trepidation, but just go knowing our Father loves us and we're going to see great things happen. Amen? Amen. So, I'm not going to read all this, but you can see some of the things I've highlighted here, and you can maybe, maybe read it on the screen. It says, those who built, halfway down, it says, those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. There was a kind of building and fighting mentality. We're building something, but we're also going to make sure that what we build isn't destroyed by the enemy coming in. We're going to guard. We're going to protect. And I believe that God wants us to protect each other, protect what God is building. And, and you may ask, how do we do that? Well, we do that by keeping guard on the condition of our heart and the condition of what comes out of our mouth, the condition of the words that come out of our mouth. We're going to have some challenges along the way in this building pro- process. And there'll be some things that perhaps decisions are made Maybe on certain people or certain situations and you think, man, that, that, that doesn't seem like a righteous decision or a holy decision. But actually you'll find that it's a gracious decision and it's a godly decision. And we've got to actually realize that not everything that we have as a parameter of what God is like is the full picture of what God is like. God is far much more gracious than we think he is. He's far much more loving than we think he is. And he's also far much more holy than we think he is. Amen? All right, so there was this mindset of building and fighting. And if we're going to build a strong spiritual house, we're not going to build people and disciples to be weak-willed, lily-livered people. You are not that, are you? Put your hand up if you're weak-willed and lily-livered, okay? Uh, so I'll, I'll put my hand up anyway, because I'm a joker. No, you don't have to do that, okay? <laughs> None of you are weak-willed and lily-livered, okay? You've got the strength of God in your heart. You've got the strength of the Holy Spirit in your life. And more and more, we're going to develop. And I know there's things that we are on the process in sanctification, in healing the heart. We're on the process of, of God healing us up more and more. But that doesn't stop us doing anything. You know, the, the idea that you have to be completely 100% healed up and flowed up before you do anything... He's actually just a lie. That's right. God wants us to continue to flow with him as he's healing us up. Amen? Amen. And, and work on his behalf. How amazing. God trusts us right now yes. to do stuff for him and represent him. Even with all the stuff that's going on in our lives. Amen? I find that awesome. He's so secure, isn't he? Okay, the next point, as well as being prepared to fight, the next thing that, one of the things I pulled out from Nehemiah, it says, each the people had a weapon even when they went for water. This is Nehemiah 4.23. You know, even in our leisure, our leisure, in our downtime, we need to have an alertness, don't we? You know, sometimes when we're tired, that's when the enemy comes in with a temptation or a wrong attitude or a wrong way of thinking. And we have to, at that point, decide in, in prayer to gird up the loins of our mind, as the King James says. There's a sense of, God, I need help right now in this. I, I'm not thinking. I know I'm not thinking as your son right now. I know I'm not thinking the way you want me to think. I need help right now. You know, those sort of prayers get answered. If you, if you ask him for help, he will help you by his Holy Spirit and by his word. So there's a sense that there needs to be a readiness, an alertness, not a passivity if we're going to build a strong spiritual house. And the third point um, is, is a really... Um, uh, Great point from this uh, story of Nehemiah. They get to a crucial point in building the temple. 
And all the enemies that had been against them and caused them so much distraction and threats and violence and all sorts of menacing harassment that goes on. I know for some of us, well, many of us, it goes on in our life sometimes on a daily basis. All these things happen to distract us from building, building our own lives in Christ and also building as a community together. And as all this was happening, they got to a crucial point and there was, there was a bit of peace and quiet as they were building. And they got to this crucial point and then all these former enemies wanted to come and see what they were doing and wanted to come and speak to Nehemiah and they wanted to see what was happening with the city. And they were just nosy beggars basically. And they were coming to see how they could actually infiltrate and do them harm. And Nehemiah's response is so cool to this kind of attitude. And this is his response in Nehemiah chapter 6. So I sent messages back to these people saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down and meet with you. Why should the work cease while I leave it to go down to you? Have you noticed the phrase, why should the work cease while I go down to you? We're raised to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places. All these weapons of mass destruction the enemy put in our place are underneath our feet. Don't be distracted to go down to them and fight them on a ground level when we can fight them in prayer in this level and deal with situations. I'll tell you, in my pastoral ministry, there's been times, especially in the early days, when I was you know, you know, 25 years old, no children, so I was not tired. <laughs> and I was up for confrontation, left, right, and center. And, and I was totally unhealed of heart. And I, I, I just, you know, went for confrontation. And some, you know, a couple of times, somebody once pulled a knife at me. This was a Christian. And, you know, you, you get these things. But you grow, don't you? And you learn to, to mellow and chill out a bit. Praise God. I've still got a long way to go, I know. But my, my point is this, that I was trying to win ground wars when actually it was... Just for me to be seated in the heavenly realms, worshipping Jesus, not necessarily shouting at the devil, just worshipping Jesus and letting the angelic and letting God get on with what he does. God is a master at defeating the devil. Let him get on with it. (laughs) Amen? Let's just worship and let's take authority when we need to. Amen? So those are three things. Just Just to recap, if we're going to build a strong spiritual house, to be prepared to fight for it, to... Be completely and utterly, uh, even at leisure, alert and ready for war. And thirdly, to recognize and eliminate mass distractions from our lives and not go down to their level. I want to complete what I want to share with you this morning by sharing 10 hindrances very quickly to building a spiritual house and a spiritual life. So I want to go through them real quick. So... Ten hindrances to building a spiritual house and a spiritual life. The first one, big hindrance in a church community or in your individual life is getting offended and staying offended. You know, we all get offended sometimes, you know. Something's hurt us. And sometimes when we're in a church community or with people that we feel comfortable with, we can let our guards down and sometimes something can come and it can really affect us, can't it? It can really hurt us. So we can all get offended, but it's not about necessarily not getting offended. It's about staying offended. Because when we stay offended, maybe with each other, maybe with God, if God didn't do what we thought he should do when he thought we should do it, if we stay offended and don't release forgiveness, it actually is a hindrance to building a strong spiritual life and also a strong spiritual house. Because what we do is we play all these sort of Christianese, political Christian science games where we keep being offended, but we cover it up with a lot of Christianese and a lot of nice platitudes and a lot of side barb comments, when actually what we need to do is stop all that messing about and just ask the Lord to heal us and actually release forgiveness just as we receive forgiveness and start again with that person. Now, that, I understand when you're in a relationship, when you're dealing with somebody else, In order for forgiveness to work, it takes two people, doesn't it? But you can work your forgiveness. You can release that person and you can bless that person in your prayer. So it's very important that if we're going to see a strong spiritual house, that we don't get offended, we don't stay offended when offense comes. The Eagles, anybody heard of the Eagles rock band? Sorry, I mean, 
my, 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 my dad, <clears throat> one of the things I did like about spending time with my dad, he, he liked music. So he taught me a lot of stuff. Some stuff I would not go there. Like he liked the Alan Parsons project. What was that about? Anyway, some of you may not know what that is, but it was bizarre. But the Eagles, I quite liked some of their stuff growing up, and, and he had played it in the car. And they broke up, I think, in the early 1980s or late 70s. And the whole band felt they were the height of their career, really. And they were producing some great music, and it was really selling well across the world. And they fell out. They got offended with each other, and they fell out. And they were, were separate for over a decade. And one of the lead people in the band, I forget his name, he was interviewed, and he said about a couple of years after they split up, and he said... Uh, the interviewer said, would the, will the Eagles ever get back together? And he said, not until hell freezes over and then just left the interview. You know, like rock stars do, bash something and left the interview. So what happened was the album, they got back together after forgiveness. This is a, a secular band, not a Christian band. They forgave each other. That's a miracle. It's a miracle for Christians sometimes, isn't it? They forgave each other. They got together and they produced their... Next album, and that album was called Till Hell Freezes Over. <laughs> and my point is this, that we can get offended, but God can, can turn our offense, if we don't stay in it, into something productive if we allow forgiveness to come into it. Amen? The Bible says in Proverbs that a, a wise man overlooks an insult. A wise man overlooks an insult. Now, that's not because a wise man is, you know, an annoying sort of, super spiritual, moralistic character. I'm just so better than you, I overlook the insult. I'm not talking about that. A wise man from, from God... Jeff, you've got to go. Okay. His mum's been rushed to hospital. She's tachycardic, so we need to go. He's, he's what? Okay, let's just pray right now. You go, and we'll pray, okay? What's, what's her name? Doreen. Doreen. Let's just pray for Doreen. Father, we just lift Doreen to you right now. We, we speak healing into her heart right now in Jesus' name. And we speak peace and no fear on Bev and no fear on here as they go in Jesus' name. Father, we, we, we don't just say a prayer of platitude. We believe now for healing of Doreen right now in Jesus' name. Wholeness right now. Amen. Amen. So a wise man overlooks an insult. And, and, and the, the point of that proverb is this, picture it. Why does a wise man overlook an insult? Because a wise man realizes that they're seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, far above all this stuff, and, and therefore they're looking at that insult and that attack from a different perspective to somebody who's looking it straight on. So you can see behind that into the person's heart and the fact that they need healing and the fact that they're insecure and that's why they're attacking you. So instead of attacking back, you can actually show some kind of kindness and gentleness and you can actually deal with the issue in prayer. So that's why you can overlook the insult. That's what a wise man does. He overlooks the insult. Okay? Now, the next thing, in order for us to not have hindrances to build a strong spiritual house is sermon contradictions. What do I mean by that? I mean, and we're quite good at this here, actually. What I find amongst us so often is that if I'm sharing something, there'll be certain people who not, I've not spoken to, but they'll share on similar lines to what we're sharing. And it'll be like the Holy Spirit has revealed something to somebody, a part to another person, and it comes together to help build the church. And I love that. It's really good. But Sometimes they can be contradictions, and I want to lay certain foundations into the church here, and I don't want them openly contradicted. If anybody has the honor of serving people by preaching the Word of God from here, I want you to actually honor the house and honor what we're trying to build in, and actually not contradict openly stuff that we're trying to build in. So what are we trying to build in? We're trying to build in that God is always good. We're trying to build in that God wants to heal you up, spirit, soul, body. We're trying to build in that we are amazing people because we're sons of God. We're trying to build in strong identity in Christ. We're trying to build in these things as foundations. We're trying to build in that the church is here to bless the world. We're trying to build these things in, amen? So, so those things are beyond contestation as far as I'm concerned. And I want us to build together and therefore... Something that can hinder us is if one person says one thing, another person contradicts it, and then people are saying, well, what, 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 is, what, is, what does the church believe? Where do we stand on that? 
I've just told you where we stand on those things. Amen? So we're going to go forward in that vein and not have that hindrance. Okay, next one. Unnecessary prayer. Oh, unnecessary. What do you mean unnecessary prayer? I mean this. There's certain things that, that the Father has revealed in the Word to us that we just need to do. Isn't there? Or you ask somebody to do something, and, and, and they know they're gifted to do it. They know they can do it. They know they've got the resources and the time to do it. I'll pray about it. Can you move the chairs? I'll pray about it. Can, can, you, can you pour a cup of tea? I'll pray about it. Well, you know, if my wife asked me, can I have a cup of tea? And I said, I'll pray about it. She'd slap me. You would, would you know. In love, obviously. But she would. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and because we don't want to offend anybody in church, we're like, okay, well, you just go with the Spirit. We're not sure which it is, but you just go with the Spirit and pray. Okay? And all this unnecessary prayer, when God has already revealed His will so much in the Scriptures, if we just read a little bit more <laughs> of the Scripture, we'll find out that we don't only pray about stuff that doesn't need praying about. All right? Let me bring a theological balance to that. Here we go. Next one. Lack of necessary prayer. <laughs> so, what we, what we need to do as well is understand the power of real prayer. Understand the power that we have and the authority in the name of Jesus. Understand that our prayer comes from a love perspective, a heaven's perspective. And I, I really believe if we're going to build strong, we need much more prayer cover. We need much more people who are given to prayer as a service. You know, we have this mindset sometimes in church, because we kind of want to be PC, that we big up those who serve practically so much. And I believe that's necessary. We should honor people who serve practically, absolutely. But, you know, prayer is a service. Preaching of the word is a service. You know, those things are service as well. And, and, And they shouldn't be neglected. In fact, Peter said... To the whole church, early church, he said, look, we we can't neglect prayer and the teaching of the word to do practical stuff all the time. Raise up some people who'll do that so we can do this. And in in the Western church today, it's like the practical is God and prayer and actually spending time... Serving people in the scripture is, is low. But you'll never build a strong spiritual house if that's the case. And Peter recognized that. Even when revival was taking place, he recognized that that was important principle. The amazing thing is the people they picked to do this practical service, guess what they were? People full of the Holy Spirit. Doing miracles on the side, left, right and center. You see, when, when you have a heart to, to, to serve, when you have a heart to do those things... God will, God will say, wow, here, here you go, serving some miracles while you're doing it. Serving some supernatural stuff while you're doing it, because I see your heart. So I really believe that God wants us to understand that, that I, I, I have to say that there is a lack of necessary prayer in our community. We're going to change that. And when we get together in prayer meetings, <laughs> it's not necessary for everybody in the prayer meeting to be heard praying one after the other. What if Antonelli's not prayed? Oh my God, we're not asked Antonelli to pray. She may get offended. That prayer ain't going to do anything. It's about coming together and just, just allow worship is part of prayer. So worshiping the Lord, praying and ascending in our spirits to God and seeing what he has to say and then speak and decree that forth. That's the kind of prayer we're looking for. Not, oh dear Lord Jesus, please get us good price on the doors when we change the building. You know, that's not the kind of prayer level we're looking for, okay? God knows we need good doors when we change the building. And, but let's, let's take it a bit higher, amen? Does that make sense to you? <clears throat> so I believe we want to pray as a community more. Lack of connection with leadership. <clears throat> what I mean by that is that, you know, some, some, sometimes it's just something in our nature as human beings, we don't like anybody to be seen to be, you know, speaking into our lives or, you know, giving suggestions or giving advice. We, we, we think we know it all. And I can be in that box myself sometimes, so I'm not saying anything to you that I'm not saying to me. 
But God has set us up to need each other. God has set us up to need fathers and mothers. God has set us up to need people who speak into our lives. And God has set up authority that is not authority that lords it over people, but actually lifts people up and actually is there to advise and pray and cover. <clears throat> and some, sometimes, I don't know, I'm, I've noticed in my observation being here that there seems to be um, at times a kind of, you know, un, un, unsanctioned secret police. What do I mean by that? I mean this. <clears throat> That sometimes some people, some of you know stuff about somebody. Say, say, like, for example, say somebody's not very well, and some of you know that about that person, but I don't get to know it until they're seriously ill, or I don't get to know it, or the leadership doesn't get to know it until it's really critical. Whereas, if we'd have known it earlier, we could come and pray and lay hands, anoint with oil, make sure that we're covering, make sure the church is aware and praying and mobilized to pray. But there's something in us that likes the power of secrecy. And sometimes, if, 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 if that person trusts me with that, I don't want to trust leadership with it. I'll just keep that and pray. I'm just glad they trust me. And what it really comes down to is insecurity. Because we want to feel like we're needed. Can I, can I just release you from that? God really doesn't need any of us. But he's chosen to need us. Amen. And actually, I need you and you need me. So let's chill out. Let's, let's actually just enjoy the process of realizing that I am actually for you and the leadership here is actually for you. And if there's a serious problem, we want to support you and pray and back. I'll ring apostles and prophets all over the world and get him praying for you. You know, Lalith and his intercessory team, they have prayer parliaments pretty much every day going on, hundreds of people praying. I want them to be praying for stuff going on here in that relationship because I believe the power of prayer, Amen. So if we don't know about it, because some billy bob has kept it all to themselves because they feel like they're powerful, then we've got a problem, all right? So let's, let's actually realize that it's important to share. I'm not talking about sharing gossip. Oh, do you know what that brother did? I saw him. I saw him. I'm not talking about gossip. I'm talking about sharing stuff that needs the attention of us. I don't need to know everything that goes on. I want to release you to do great things. But when it's something that's crucial in somebody's life, we want to be aware of it early so we can pray. Does that make sense? All right. Next one. Unable to enjoy God in the season you're in. This is a big hindrance to building. God can't build anything strong in you if you're always looking to the next season. If you're always looking to the horizon. If you're always looking that the grass is always greener on the other side. You know, the grass is never greener on the other side. When you actually go, it just looks that way from a distance. And the grass can be greener where you are if you cultivate that grass. And what once saddens me sometimes in coming here, and I, it's only a few voices I've heard, things like, oh, Edel Church, oh, Keith Lee, oh, this. You know what? This is a beautiful place. This, you are a beautiful people. There's some amazing, there is many, many amazing people in this town. And, and I believe God has his hand on this place. Amen. A, I know every pastor says that of every church in every town, but I really believe it. So I, I really believe that God has his hand here. And God wants to do amazing things in and through you as a people. So enjoy the season you're in. Because I believe God wants you to be full of joy in this season Amen. so you'll be productive in that joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. Amen. Because one day, brothers and sisters, you're not going to wake up. You may have great desire in your heart to be the next man of faith and power for the hour. The next woman of faith and power for the hour who's going to take the gospel to the nations. Well, that's great. Praise God. I will back you in it. But, but, but start here. Amen? Yeah. Start here. Because I really believe that many of us, many of us are going to do great things here that the nations are going to hear about. Yes. Yeah. Amen? There's nothing wrong with doing mission. That's going to be part of what we do going forward. I believe it's biblical. I believe it's right. But mostly I believe it's love to do it. Amen? But that is not... You know, there's a proverb that says, He who has his eyes on the ends of the earth is a fool. We're not fools in here. But we are here to bring the gospel to the nations. But it starts in our Jerusalem, which is Keithley. 
Amen? (laughs) Then Judea, then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So these can be hindrances. We're just addressing them so we can deal with them so they don't help, they don't block us from building a strong spiritual house. Apathy towards vision and communication. I'm going to continue to share about the importance of what we do as Hope College School of Ministry, Thursday night and the part-time course we're going to do. And whatever we share of vision and communication, please pray about it. Please take it seriously because actually it's not just me who cares about it, but I believe God cares about it. Ultimately, the blueprint for what we're doing comes from him. Otherwise, what's the point in doing it? Unless the Lord gives us the blueprint, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain, Psalm 127. So we've got a situation where what we are communicating to you, we believe is where God is taking us. Now, sometimes I would like to, I'd rather have fierce opposition to it than apathy towards it. Because at least there's some passion either way. So I'm just saying that I really believe that one hindrance to, to building a strong spiritual house is apathy. And ap- apathy can come in just because we've, we may be feeling a bit hopeless. You know, the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So when we've not maybe seen the dreams we want to see, and we, we may have, some of you I know have been in this church a long time, and, 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 and maybe, you know, you, you want, to, want to see more. You've seen some great things, but you want to see more. Let me, let me say this to you. God can heal your heart. Because apathy is an outward condition of, a, of, of an in, inward problem. And, and actually, God doesn't want us apathetic. He doesn't want us cynical. He wants us to be like little children who are up for it and going for it and doing great things for him. And, and God can soften and God can heal our heart. Because I know it gets hurt sometimes, doesn't it? It does. And God can heal. And maybe it's just me. Maybe, or maybe your, your heart never gets healed. Maybe your heart never gets hurt. But mine does. Amen. And it's time that we allow God to heal so we can move forward and not come out of this apathy, you know, this lethargy. Okay, next one. Our service, our practical service in in church life of any description, that if we're going to build a strong spiritual house, our service must not come from a place of wanting to get self-worth through our service or a place of to attain position through our service. Our service has to come from our sonship. That's why we're spending so much time talking about that we're sons of God. You know, you don't need any... Can I just say, you don't need anybody else to complete you. You don't need anybody else to, to dictate to you how you feel because you've got a father who loves you and you're a son of God. Whether you're male or female, you're a son of God. And, 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 and you're amazing. And if, if amazing sons come together, they produce an amazing church and an amazing town, an amazing world. Amen. So it's time for us to serve in everything we do from a place of knowing we're loved. That means this, that if, if you don't get five people patting you on the back for your service, you're still joyful in your service. You know what, I, I want us to be honoring and celebrate people's service in the church. I believe that's important. But you know, however hard we try to do that, sometimes it gets missed, doesn't it? And it's not because we want to miss that person out or we want to not honor that person. Sometimes it just happens because we're imperfect people in, in some of the things we do. But if we serve from our sonship, if we serve from that identity, guess what? It doesn't really matter, does it? Because we're doing it for Jesus anyway. Amen? Okay, so this is going to help us to build a strong spiritual house if we serve from our sonship. I think there's a couple more. <clears throat> this one, idolization of outside ministries. This is a big hindrance to building a strong spiritual house. Let me just be plain and simple with you. If the only people that you listen to and that you build the words that they say into your life are people on TV or even people who come in as outside speakers here, it's not enough to build a strong spiritual house. The leadership in the church here, whether it be Fraser or myself, particularly who share the word as elders here, I really believe that what we share can help build a strong spiritual house in this community. Well, you're very arrogant, Jeff. No, I'm not arrogant. I'm confident. And if I don't believe it, why should you? You know, some people, especially where I've come from in church life, you know, they don't like people promoting their ministry or promoting their preaching and you know they don't they don't like cds out and I, I remember in the church in coventry we started to do this a guy in the church said i really like what you're sharing i believe it's helped me and my family i'd like to get the cds out there at the time and mp3s and i want to do the graphics for them and he did it all for me it looked great 
And we had, a, we had an inter-church meeting at our building with the group we were part of. And um, so many of the leaders came to me and said, are you trying to be self-promoting there, building your own ministry by having these products out like this? And, and, and you know, because I was a bit more insecure there, I thought, well, actually, it was somebody else who did it for me. I didn't do it. You know, and I just think, what, how much games do we have to play in this stupid thing called ministry? If I don't believe that the word I say carries anything, nobody else is going to believe it. That's right. And therefore, there's nothing wrong with doing that. And I, I'm looking forward to buying some of your products. Amen? Amen. There wasn't many amens to that. Come on. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Idolization of outside ministries. So, for example, sometimes we can have a situation in our church community. Oh, there's a guest speaker in two weeks. We must make it. We'll plan our diary to make sure that we make the guest speaker. And we'll put our best clothes on when the best speaker comes. And we'll make sure we have a prophecy for the guest speaker so we can interact with the best speaker. Let me say this to you. Chill out. These brothers and sisters who come in are my friends. And they're your friends. And it's going to increase more and more. We're not doing some professional kind of you know, stuff going on. And if there's only an expectancy once every six weeks when a guest speaker comes in, then you are going to be spiritually malnourished. Amen? Because there's good word, there's good food. Every time we get together, there's a smorgasbord. It's not Fred Carnos. There's a smorgasbord of great food every time we get together to enjoy in the Lord. Amen? All right. Nearly done. Last one. Anti-change. Hindrances to building a strong spiritual house is when we don't like change. You know, the reason why God says he doesn't change is because he knows knows we don't like change. (laughs) But God doesn't change. He's always good. He's always love. But I believe he's asking for us to be changed, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we worship him, as we endure him, as we relate to him. We're transformed into the same image, the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3. So change is part of our individuality and it's part of our corporeity. There'll always be change going on. And we can take two attitudes towards change. We can be a thermometer or we can be a thermostat. And what I find in church, and I can fall into this category myself sometimes, we can be very good at taking the temperature of a spiritual house or of a person's life. Oh, that person's not very passionate for God. I'm much more passionate than they are. Oh, that church, this, this morning, it was so heavy. Oh, the worship is so heavy. I couldn't, I couldn't break through. What are, you, what are you talking about? You've already broken through through Jesus. Amen. Yes. I, I, I felt there was a spirit of anti-establishment, satanic whatever in the room. Well, actually, it was the Holy Spirit, but you couldn't get past your own demonology. Let us just chill out. He's one, and we are co-heirs and co-conquerors with him. And when we get together, it's about celebration. And, and, and if, there's a, if it is a bit, you know, it takes time to get going and the iPod doesn't work. Oh, no musicians again. When are we going to get live musicians? Our salvation is in live musicians. No, your salvation is in Jesus. Right. Oh, it was better when we had those musicians. Well, actually, sometimes it was and sometimes it wasn't, frankly. I'll just be honest. <clears throat> so my point is this, that I believe that God doesn't want us to just test, test the temperature. Ooh, the spiritual climate over Keithley. What is it? Lots of spiritualism. Well, good. Praise the Lord. It's not about that. It's about being a thermostat. Because a thermostat doesn't just detect temperature, but changes it to change the culture and environment to benefit the most people possible. You know, whatever you've been taught, God loves to benefit and bless people. So a thermostat comes in and says, okay, that's the temperature. Instead of complaining about that to somebody else or praying about it on my own, I'm actually going to be somebody who's going to change it and be transformatory and initiate change in it. And I believe many of you are that, and I want to give you the freedom 
to be it in Jesus' name. Not just test the temperature with your spiritual sight, but to with spiritual strength in the Holy Spirit to change the atmosphere and change the environment. And you can do that in the community here. You can do that in home. You can do that in your neighborhood. Just going around, be a, be a barometer of blessing. Be a th- lots of weather stuff today. Be a therm- thermostat that brings heat where necessary. Be a thermostat that brings a cooling when, when things get heated up a bit too much. Just be Jesus wherever you are. If we can, if we can, if we can get to this place and we can, we can work on this as a community by the grace of God, not in our own strength, guess what? Guess what will happen? We'll build a strong spiritual house. Would you stand with me, please? Just want to read a scripture to you to close from the book of Haggai. Oops, I just spilled my water all over me. It says this in Haggai chapter 1, verse 10. Why say the Lord of hosts, why is my house in ruins? So the context is God's house was in ruins. Why says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. Haggai was, was kind of a Yorkshire prophet. He said it as it was, you know. He wasn't sort of wheel within wheel and mystery. He was kind of boom. And uh, he was basically making the point that this spiritual life, this relationship that the people have with God is not just to build them a better life, even though it is. It is to be blessed and to build a better life. But it's actually to build a place where God can dwell and where God can be the restorative, healing father that he wants to be. That was the whole point of it. And it basically it says, look, my house is not ready, even though your houses are ready. And he's basically making the point that I want you to build my house. And until my house is in a place of being built, the heavens will withhold you and the earth will withhold its fruit. Another way to put it is this. Church is the spiritual storehouse. There won't be the strong anointing or lasting revival or harvest that we are all praying and looking for until the spiritual house is in place. That's the problem. We pray so much about revival. We even do evangelism, which is great. But until God is not, God is not stupid in the way he operates. God is the best administrator you can come across. And he wants storehouses set up across this town, across this nation, that will feed the people that come in, collect the harvest, and allow the, the revival that God wants to come, to come, and this time, not burn out, but herald the return of Jesus. So the church is a vital part of that. Can I just say, please stop going around looking for revival here, there, and everywhere. And if I get a touch from there, then it'll, you know, well, actually, no, actually, go and do that, but just bring it back. And, uh, go and do all that, bring it back, and let it work here. But, but God has got a wonderful thing for this place. And, and God wants us to build a storehouse in order for revival to come.